I just learned that like I I dig that, right? Like I really felt something special there and I think it was a highlight of my experience for that reason, for that feeling of connection, for that awe-inspiring at human creation. It was like fantasy come to life. Like if I was going to imagine what temples could be like, it was like I would have designed Angkor Wat, you know. Welcome to the Crossing It Off Podcast, where we believe living with intention through a bucket list lifestyle is a great way to bring yourself personal joy. As you are crossing items off your list, you're actually filling up your bucket. The more items you cross off, the more joy gets added, until eventually your joy spills over into the lives of those around you. My name is Roger Williams, and as the host of this show, I will be interviewing guests, people just like you, that are crossing items off their own bucket list. My hope is that by hearing these stories, you will be inspired and empowered to cross items off your own bucket list. When you find something impactful for your journey, we invite you to share the episode with one other person and leave an honest rating or review of the show. This is an amazing way for you to gift those feelings of inspiration and joy to others. Now let's start crossing it off together. Welcome everybody to another episode of the Crossing Off Podcast. I'm so excited to have my guest here talking about this item that she crossed off her list. I have had it on my list for a real long time, so I'm excited to hear her stories about it. So Katrina McGee, describe yourself as uh, unconventional, inspiring, positive, and brave. Katrina, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Roger. I'm excited to be here. Awesome. So tell everybody, what did you cross off your list? I saw... Anger Watt at sunrise. Ah, yes. I see these pictures on Instagram all the time, uh, but but I've been been, uh, having a desire to go there and do this myself for a long time. So explain to people what Anchor Watt is, if they may not know what that is and where it is. Yeah. So it's in Cambodia. It's, um, I don't know if it's technically in Siem Reap or right next to Siem Reap, but you go to Siem Reap, that's how you get there. And it is the largest religious monument in the world. So it's actually like a complex of temples. I think it was originally constructed as a Hindu temple, but it's um, it's basically this complex of temples, which I didn't fully understand the size and scale until mm-hmm. I got there. But it's like these massive temple structures, but there's multiple ones across this place. It's just insane how large it is. But um, but yeah, it's an amazing place that mm-hmm. it's a little bit mind blowing that it exists. Yeah, at one point, I think I heard that there was like 1.5 million people that lived there in ancient times, that it was a huge, huge city. And the the Hindu stuff comes from the fact that they would trade with India uh, in Cambodia, and the, the traders would get stuck there for months and months and months until the trade winds reversed. And so there's lots of, even though it's in the midst of Southeast Asia, there's lots of mm-hmm. Hindu culture and carvings and stuff. So why was this an important thing for you to put on your bucket list? And where did that come from for you, that desire to do that? Yeah. So, you know, I, it, it the, the desire actually started when I began planning my 20 month career break. So I knew I was going to quit my job. I knew I wanted to travel around the world. At that time, I thought I would travel around the world for about a year and Southeast Asia was on my list. And so when I thought about if I've got this finite amount of time to go live my dreams and to see things that feel magical, what would I want to see? Um, going to see Angkor Wat was on the list because, you know, I'd seen it in movies. I think, you know, Tom Prom, I think is in Tomb Raider, but, you know, I'd seen photos as well. And it was like, for me, one of the most magical sort of transformative powers of travel and being in other places is standing somewhere where I am just in complete awe 
of the world. And so like the Grand Canyon, as cheesy as that sounds right, I had that moment where you're just standing there and you're like, how does this exist? And how am I here in this moment? And to me, Angkor Wat just had this appeal. Um, You know, the things that I saw on my break, a lot of them were driven by just a photograph or Mm. a story and it plant, but it's like, it resonates. It like dings a bell in my spirit. It's like, ding. And it's like, Oh, I got to go see that. That's how I ended up in Provence, like eating my way through Provence was reading Peter Mills a year in Provence. So anger Watt for me was like, I think I saw a photo and I was like, I want to be standing there and I want to be inspired by life. I want to be awestruck. And so I didn't really know what it entailed. I had to do a lot of research to figure out like, where do I have to be? You know, what's a great time to do this? Like what's involved in actually seeing anger Watt at sunrise spoiler it's early 30 when you got to get there. It's like so crazy early. There are so many people that are there. You don't see them in the photo, but there's like a whole entire bustling crowd of people that uh, will be waiting with you. Okay. So, so let's slow down just a little bit. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I can sense how excited you are. And I think that's awesome. You mentioned that you took a 20 month hiatus from work, what I would call an adult gap year. I sure did. <laughs> and so where did that come from? What what inspired you to do that? What was or what caused that? I mean, the, yeah. <laughs> for me, it was a heart attack. You know, what was it for you that you decided yeah. that I'm going to take this time off and feed myself, feed my soul? Yeah. Oh, I love the way you said that to feed my soul. Um, I don't know if you can relate, but I was basically became very aware I was living a life that I didn't even really want. And I was trying to be really good at a job that I didn't care about. And I felt like, holy crap, if I don't change something, this is going to be the rest of my life. So I actually, this is in 2011. I um, had a friend recommend a life coach, which I didn't even know what a life coach was. And I worked with her and it took me six months of unpacking all the shoulds around my job and money and what success is. And I was sitting on her couch and I just had this epiphany while trying to find like a third career because I have an MBA, like a career (laughs) before an MBA and then a second career after I had this epiphany and a voice inside my own brain was like, you don't want another job. You want a break. And it was like, hell yeah, I want a break. Mm. I want to travel around the world. And I talk about seeds being planted with books and photos. And, you know, I think as again, as cliche as this might sound, when I read um, Eat, Pray, Love, it <laughs> wasn't necessarily the story, but it was the fact that this adult woman actually gave herself permission to leave her life and just go travel. And I thought I missed my chance. I didn't get to study abroad when I was in undergrad um, for financial reasons. And so I thought I missed my chance. I thought I missed my chance for a gap year. I thought I missed everything. And it was like, this is just my life now. The best I can hope for is a vacation where I get to travel abroad. But she broke my brain a little bit and I kind of had to push it away and bury it because it seemed so crazy and so scary. But there was something about this part of me that always wanted to see the world and hadn't that was like, crap, girl, you got to you got to own this. You want to just take a break and see the world because you can't do that in your 10 business days off a year in your corporate job. And I just, my life didn't feel aligned. So for me, feeding my soul at that time became save some money. I had $1,500. So I had to work real hard to save. I saved 40 K in 18 months. And then when I had my 40 K, I was like, okay, I'm out, I'm traveling and I'm going to be gone until the money is gone. So what do you think caught you in that bubble that you so desperately wanted to break free from what was it was it society was it parents was it your friends pressure what was that thing that like caught you in that matrix of doing the grind yeah I think it was two things one growing up with very little money 
So it was aspirational to have mm. a, a job that paid well, that let me take vacation, that let me eat out, right? These are things that I saw other people in my life, friends and things having. And I was like, I want that for myself. And I want to feel that way. I want to feel abundant. I want to feel rich, right? So it was like corporate was the easy way to get to that path. It was the way people told me to go. And I think number two, you know, I was my my parents' oldest, like my mom's oldest. And I love following rules. I love being a good student. <laughs> I love getting the A. Check, check check. I'll check all those boxes. And so for me, I think there was something about achieving that vision and feeling like I have to be doing everything right because everybody is applauding me and telling me I'm doing it right. And so this feels good. That validation feels good. Like I don't even know what I'm doing, but I know it's right because everybody in society and, and my family, like people are looking at me going, you're doing great. And that feels nice for a while. Sure. Right. It's its and own feedback loop, right? It's its yeah, own feedback loop. It's its own feedback loop. loop. Yeah. yeah. But at some point you're like, I'm doing everything right. Then why do I feel so empty inside? Mm. And why do it, why does it feel hard to get out of bed? Why does it feel hard to believe that life can be good again? Why does it feel hard to remember a time in my life when I just felt joyful about being here on this planet, you know? Mm. Yeah, for sure. So let's go back to Sam Reap and into, um, yeah. and to anchor Watt. What does it take to get there? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I had arrived on a one on a round trip ticket into Singapore. So I decided to travel Southeast Asia for three and a half months. So for me, Cambodia came after Vietnam. So I um I almost didn't go to Vietnam, but I'm so glad I did because it was amazing. But I I landed in Hanoi and then I spent three weeks traveling from north down to south. Oof. And then I got to Ho Chi Minh. It was incredible. It was like it was so amazing, but I got to Ho Chi Minh and I was like, okay, Phnom Penh is not that far away. I guess I'm taking the bus, which I was really nervous. I had never done like a land border crossing mm -hmm. in a foreign country at that point. Like I'd always flown in. And so I'd read a lot of horror stories about like scams and yep. stuff. And it's like, you don't speak the language. Like they're going to pull you off the bus and put you in the special line and then tell you it's like $50 for you to right. get through. Yep. I've heard those. Yep. And so I was very scared, but I'm on the bus, like going across the border and then it's time to get off and like walk through the thing and then get on the next bus um, to cross into Cambodia. And I remember they put me in a special line. There were like no people. And I was like, damn it, I fell for it. This is happening and I can't do anything about it. But then at the end, they didn't charge me anything. It was like they were just being not, I don't know what they were doing, but they didn't charge me anything extra. So it was very easy. I was very nervous, like sweaty, scared, like this is going to be so bad. It was very easy. So I ended up in Phnom Penh. So when I was in Phnom Penh, um, I was there for about five days and then I decided to go on to Sam Reap and I ended up um, just basically like organizing a shuttle there, like a, to, to ride there because that right. seemed like the easiest thing to do. So I had like a, it wasn't private, but it was like a mini shuttle in a way. And so I took it to Sam Reap and I arrived to Sam Reap with no idea what to expect. I didn't know if it would be like city-like or town-like. I was shocked at how... Um, populated it was like it had lots of restaurants i mean it makes sense right like my logical brain can say yeah lots of people pass through here to see angkor wat like of course um but i didn't really know a lot about the town before i ended up there and so i was astounded like there was all kinds of stuff and it had kind of like a slightly hippie bent kind of maybe like bali for some of the places like i ended up doing like an intuitive reading with this healer woman like there were lots of things like that going on um in the town, but I basically arrived completely like not sure what I was getting into. So the one thing I did as a solo woman traveler, when I would yes. arrive somewhere, 
Yeah. I was going to ask that. You're doing this solo. You're doing all this yeah. solo. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Keep doing going. it solo without a lot of extensive travel experience. So on, on certain countries and certain cities where I felt like, you know, I want to be, I want to be safe. I want to be smart. I would start with a hotel because I figured the staff would always be there. There would always be someone I could contact if I, mm-hmm. you know, come home from dinner and something is wrong, or if I need something in the middle of the night, or if I got sick. So, um, I ended up like just looking on TripAdvisor, and I found this amazing hotel. I think the word banana was in it. I can't remember. <laughs> um, but it was epic. Like it was so affordable. It got glowing reviews. They had like one spot left and they were the kindest, sweetest people. And so I checked in there and I told them as soon as I checked in, like, I want to go see Anger Watt. I want to see it at sunrise. And they're like, awesome. We'll ar- arrange like a tuk-tuk driver for you mm-hmm. to take you to see Anger Watt. And what I had read also in the scam section of all those travel blogs, sometimes the drivers don't show up. Sometimes they say they're going to take you there and they don't. So it was important to me to find a great hotel because I, I was hoping they were going to recommend yeah. great service providers. And they absolutely did. Here at the Crossing It Off podcast, we are passionate about inspiring you in your bucket list lifestyle and empowering you to live out your list. We offer many resources to assist you in your bucket list journey, such as web resources in the show notes, bucket list mentoring services, my book, Live Out Your Lists, a private Facebook group for you to share your bucket list success stories with others, and more. All of these can be found at crossingitoffpodcast.com. Find the resource that fits your need so that you can live out your list. Now back to the show. And so describe what a tuk-tuk is for, for people that may not have experienced that in their lives before. Yeah, I know. Like, it's like, it's like, I don't know what you call it. Like a little, like a, 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 a one man powered buggy. It's like, you just (laughs) hop in and you just motor on around. Yeah, It's kind of like a motorcycle meets a buggy. I don't know. Yeah. It's like a moped meets a, meets a cart. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's accurate. Moped meets a cart. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. So So you're able to make arrangements. Did you, did you experience Anchor Watt before your sunrise day or was that like your first experience? That was my first experience. I have to say, I know. And I did this in 2014. So, you know, I imagine that it's only, you know, become more populated, like many places, you know, on this earth with more tourism. And then I know COVID has imposed different rules in different places, but back then, you know, I didn't have to buy my ticket in advance. I just had to get there really early to make sure I could get a ticket. And I felt like I'm going to go see this magical place, but like, I want to see it at sunrise. So I didn't do any pre-work any like going to get the tickets. I didn't, um, you know, I didn't go see it the day before it was like, I'm doing this thing and I'm doing it hmm. full out. And so I had to wake up at like three 30 in the morning. I think I was on the tuk-tuk at like four 15 or something like that. It was crazy early and we're just tuk-tuking out into the <laughs> middle of nowhere. And I'm just like cold, tired. I'm like, why did I, why did I decide I would do this? I could just see this in the day. It's really <laughs> that great. Why, why did I decide to be here? But then, you know, we pull up to the gate and you do, it's kind of like, you know, when you pull up to like an amusement park or something, they got the little window and you get the ticket and they give you a pass. I remember, I can't remember exactly how the photo worked, but like they had a photo of me, they give you a pass and it's like good for the day. And I just remember thinking like, this is, I feel like something big is about to happen. Mm. And so he, he dropped me off. And then you have to wander to the spot and the most popular spot, which is probably the pictures you've seen is the main temple in front of the reflecting pool, because as Mm -hmm. the sun rises, you get Angkor Wat plus the reflection of Angkor Wat, which is really gorgeous. 
but I got there and it was pitch black. I mean, to get the sunrise picture and not have people in it, you have to get there so early. It's like really way before sunrise. And so I'm just standing there in the cold, in the dark being like, I hope this is worth it. I hope this is worth it. I can barely (laughs) see anything. I hope this is worth it. And then the sun starts to come up and you're not really aware that it's happening because it's like very slow motion, but you really see the temples and then the sun really starts to come up and it is so beautiful. I would say it's like, man, it was incredibly gorgeous, but it's also, it it was totally awe inspiring to know Mm. that like human hands created that, you know what I mean? Yeah. You're with a lot of people, right? I mean, I think so many. Yeah, I, I love that Instagram reel where it's like Instagram versus reality. Yeah, versus so reality, I, exactly. That's I've seen definitely those, one of those. I've seen those. I've seen those ones for Anchor Watt where it's like, oh, you see the sunrise, you see the temple, but then they pull away and there's hundreds of people around. What was that part of it like for you? Was that did it enhance the experience or did it take something away? Honestly, I feel like it took something away. Um, Mm. I blame myself, right? Like for not having adequate expectations of what that would be. But, you know, this is like, gosh, seven years, seven, eight years ago. I'm Mm -hmm. not even sure. I I definitely didn't have an Instagram account. I don't know if Instagram was really a thing back then, but I didn't really fully know what to expect. I hadn't done like all this research on it. And so seeing the massive number of people, it was like you were sharing a moment with them, but it's supposed to feel really serene, right? When you look at those pictures, it's a temple, it's a reflecting pool, it's sunrise, like it feels so serene. And it just, you hear click, 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 (laughs) click, and a bunch of people and all the things. And it's like, I don't know, there was something about it where I wasn't fully in the moment. Like when I went to the Grand Canyon and I stood on the edge, I didn't go during busy season. I just was like there, it was like me and the Grand Canyon having a moment. And I don't, feel like I got that moment with Anchor Wat. Um, but it was magical. But at the same time, it was like you couldn't not be aware of the people surrounding you. So I think it pulled it pulled me out of the present moment a little bit. Is it something that you learned like that you could have done differently to like make that? Is I mean, nobody wants to go there in rainy season, of course, but like is there a better time? Was it, could you have done more research to to make that a little bit better experience without uh, several hundred people there with you trying to experience it all together. I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure I could have researched like a better time to go. I, I believe I was there in, um, like September, October. So it like was a little bit rainy. I don't remember Mm -hmm. if it was rainy season. It wasn't like pouring or anything, but like there was rain that day. Um, but I didn't want to go during peak season either, which is the dry, happy, you know, like happy time. So I feel like if Anchor Wat was my sole thing, if it was like the highlight of that whole trip and the one thing, I could have definitely planned better and to maybe even there would have been a better day of the week to go. However, mm-hmm. there are a ton of people and I was sort of like freestyling that part of my trip. Like I knew the things I wanted to do, but I wanted to give myself permission to stay in Vietnam longer. If I loved it to leave sooner, if I hated it to go to Thailand and see wherever I felt inspired to go. Like I ended up taking a day trip, day trip to Chiang Rai. So I wanted to have flexibility. Um, so yeah, so I think I did it the best I could given the constraints I had, but if it's like at the top of your bucket list and that's why you're going absolutely research like peak season, um, rainy season versus dry season. Um, I imagine there's probably also some tour or something you could pay for where they might give you like a special viewing place. You know what I, mean? <laughs> I feel like those things exist for everything. Oh, I'm sure. Now, so, oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Any, any way to make a buck. As yeah. long as the buck stays local, I'm good with it. So how much more time did you spend it? in the the space did you is was it just one day and you took off or did you spend more time did you see other things and were there things that 
blew you away unlike maybe the sunrise did with all the people yeah so i so again ginormous i did not know how big it was so i did the sunrise thing and then you walk through the temple like once they open because they don't they open early but it's like you know you do the sunrise pictures and then you go into like the actual temple and walk around so i did that but then i'm there and i spent like a lot of money and time to be there so i'm like let's see you know what else is here and i'd heard about Bayon Temple, which is the one with the faces. Mm-hmm. And then also because of Tomb Raider, I knew about Tom Prom, which is the one where the trees have like grown into the temple and it's kind of crazy. So I decided I was going to go see those. And I remember um, walking to Bayon. I mean, this place is so big. I just, it's like a city, like you said, it's oh, like yeah. a city. And so I walked to Bayon, I walked around. It was incredible. The face. Wow. That was a lot. That was awesome. And I was exhausted and I was like, I need a freaking tuk-tuk driver to get me to this other temple because it's like far away. And so I hired a tuk-tuk driver. I was being cheap, but I was like, I'm not being cheap with this. And he drove me around through, like we passed different temples, just kind of like looking at them. And then I did do Tapram and got to walk through that. And it's incredible, like just to see how nature has like reasserted itself over the temples, but they kind of coexist together in harmony or at least seeming harmony. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I had to like, I was exhausted. I spent the first half of the day walking and then I was like, I can't walk anymore. And mm-hmm. I just let the tuk-tuk driver drive me through and like show me some stuff and get out and take some photos. And then I went back and I think I had dinner and went to sleep and I slept hard that yeah, night. That- yeah, but I did decide to stick around. So CM Reap, like I said, was bigger and busier than I thought. And it was just a really comfortable place to spend a few days. And so I think I was there um, three more nights after Angkor Wat, just kind of wandering around. Like I said, I went to see an intuitive reader and do fun things like that. I moved into a hostel and I met a couple of cool women. And so we would go out to dinner or like nice. walk around and explore the town. So just making the most of it. So this was much a much bigger trip for you. And you had lots of stuff going on. This wasn't the only thing. But specifically, what did you take? What was your takeaway from going to Anchor Watt? How did it impact you? And maybe how did it impact the rest of your travel? Yeah. So one, you know, um, I think the learning for me was, again, like knowing that those special, I want to be present for those special moments. So just being really aware and thinking more deeply about like, when am I going? How am I going? What am I getting into? Like, I didn't really research it. And I was like, it was still amazing, but I think I could have had an even more amazing experience being more thoughtful about it. But I also felt like, you know, that day was like me hanging out with a bunch of really incredible architecture, like things people (laughs) had designed. And I didn't, I had a lot of amazing experiences in Southeast Asia. A lot of them were food related, but, um, but that for me was like, really special. And I think, um, what made it special was just feeling like I was in this place where it's almost like you can hear the hum. I remember being in one of the temples and it was like, almost like an Indiana Jones movie or something, but like you hear that hum, that gong sound playing. And it just felt so like deep and there was so much gravity and it felt kind of sacred in a way. And so, um, I just learned that like, I, I dig that, right? Like I really felt something special there. And, um, I think it was a highlight of my experience for that reason, for that feeling of connection, for that awe inspiring at human creation. And, um, it was like fantasy come to life. Like if I was going to imagine what temples could be like, it was like, I would have designed Angkor Wat, you know? (laughs) It's awesome. What is something that you would tell somebody that this was like 
they said, I want to go do this. What would be one thing besides you got to go do it? What's one thing you would tell them? Get a tour guide. Yeah, get a tour guide. I missed so much because I thought just seeing the buildings would be enough and like, and it's a lot, but I feel like there's so much I missed by not understanding, you know, the history of how it came to be. And then also the dynamics, because I'm sure that the stories it has, like it's changed hands. I'm sure there've been like influences and power struggles, like all of history. And I just felt like I got a two-dimensional view of this awe-inspiring structure instead of a three-dimensional understanding of it, because I didn't have like a tour guide. I thought just going there and wandering around and taking photos and, and absorbing it, you know, firsthand would be amazing. And it was, but I would tell somebody get a tour guide, like know what it is you want to get out of it and then get a tour guide that can like help bring that to life for you. Katrina, what's uh, something else that you want to cross off your bucket list? Yeah. Okay. This, this person who's been to 40 countries has never been to Hawaii. And <clears throat> I feel a call to, go to Hawaii. And the part of the reason I haven't is I don't feel like I was ready for it. Like I didn't feel so excited, but over the years, like knowing more about the culture and the history, I just, and the landscape, like I want to go, but I also feel like it deserves so much time because you've got all the islands and it's far away. And it's like, if I'm going to go there, I really want to be there. But lately I've been learning a lot more about, you know, like, well, I won't say a lot, but I've been learning more about the history, the culture, you know, kind of the oppression and things that they faced. And I just feel this desire to go learn. So it's like, I want to absorb the beauty of it, but I also feel like there's so much to learn. And so it's definitely on my bucket list. It's like at the top, I just have to find, you know, the right time um, to go and to save for it. Cause I imagine it's not going to be cheap, but um, I'm excited to go like learn some stuff about culture and history and, you know, like a country that I'm from. And I just feel like it's, it's time. So that's at the top of my list. That's awesome. It's conscientious touristing. And I think that that's super important nowadays because although we have a big, beautiful world to, to go out and explore, it is, it only has certain uh, finite amount of resources for us to do that. So uh, yeah, there's a lot of uh, stuff people can go out there and read about Hawaii and the desire for locals to slow tourism a little bit and not just have people come and consume. So I like that idea of learning. Katrina, where can people find you on the internet and the interwebs uh, and stuff that you do there? What, what can, where can we get you a hold of you? Yeah. You can find me on Instagram, uh, K McGee coaching and I hang out there. I share stuff. I share travel stuff. I share career break stuff to inspire people on how to like quit their jobs and have fantastic adventures. And then you can also find me on my website, which is kmcgeecoaching.com. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here and sharing that. I I enjoyed uh, from my point of view, getting to hear someone's personal experience with it. I've you know done lots of deep dives on YouTube and all that kind of stuff because it is something I want to do, but um, it's always great to hear somebody's uh, real life story behind it. So thank you for sharing and being vulnerable with that. Katrina, thank you so much for being here. Thanks, Roger. This was so fun.